So if you could, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be continuing our series today in the book of Matthew. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and more specifically on the Beatitudes. And we get this word, Beatitudes, uh, as a kid I thought this word came from the fact that blessed starts with a B. And so these are the attitudes that we should have that start with the letter B. Um, but as Pastor Matt has taught us, we get this word from the Latin word, beati, which means to be blessed. And so in this passage, as we come to this text, every week Pastor Matt has been reminding us that these three chapters, Matthew 5 through 7, are for the Christian. They're for the believer. It's the way Jesus expects those who are now part of his kingdom to live their lives. In these three chapters, Jesus is painting for us a portrait of what it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so he's describing here those who are born again, those who have been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, those who, as Paul says, are a new creation, that the old has passed away and now our new life in Christ has come. And it's important for us to remind ourselves of this because in this passage today and in these three chapters, Jesus is going to ask some very difficult things of us. And if we don't remind ourselves that it's impossible without the work of the Lord, we can become very discouraged as we read these passages. But all of the Christian life really is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we need to rely on His Spirit to be obedient to what Jesus is asking of us in the Beatitudes here and in the Sermon on the Mount. And that this, this Christian life is going to continuously take a work of God's Spirit within us. And how many of you are thankful that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, that God has saved you, redeemed you? Amen. And so let's look at our passage today in Matthew chapter 5. I want to ask you to go ahead and stand and let's read this together. I know y'all just sat down and let's stand again. Um, so we're going to look, we're going to read the entire uh, portion of this, verses 2 through 12. So Matthew 5, verse 2, it says, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you... When others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets 
who were before you. This is God's holy word that we are reading this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, I pray that your word would speak to us today, that you would speak to us, that your Holy Spirit would uh, reveal to us the truths of this passage and that we would be obedient to the leading and guiding of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We can have a seat this morning. So this morning I would like to draw your attention to verse 6 of this passage, which says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So the first thing I would like to look at today is this word, righteousness. If we are to be blessed for hungering and thirsting for righteousness, I think it'd be important that we understood what it means to be righteous. Now, there's two definitions of righteousness that are important for us to understand today. And the first one is, the first definition for righteousness is the position of being in a proper relationship with God. The position of being in a proper relationship with God. Now, this is the position of all who are in Christ today. All of us who are in Christ are righteous. Now, however, this is not the position that any of us were born into. None of us were born righteous. All of us were born for a need for righteousness. This is a universal need for every man, woman, and child on the face of the earth. All of us were born with this need for righteousness. Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 9, that all Jew and Greek are under sin. We were born under sin because of the fall that took place in Genesis chapter 3. And with our sin that we were born with came a broken relationship with God. So prior to Christ, we were not righteous. We were enemies of God, living our lives in direct opposition towards God and towards His Word. Now, in that same chapter of Romans chapter 3, in the following verses, Paul goes on to say what it looks like to be under sin. In verse 10, he says, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. How many of you, that verse just really lifts you up this morning and encourages you? Um, Nobody wants to hear that verse. You know, Pastor Matt likes to talk a lot about bumper stickers. I don't see any bumper stickers out there that say, I am worthless. I do no good. I'm not righteous. But that's the truth of all of us before Christ. And many will read this verse and they'll say, that's not true. I'm a good person. I love my family. 
I love my kids. I provide for my family. I donate my old clothes to Goodwill. I do good things. I'm not what this verse describes. Most people think of themselves as good people. But if, if this verse isn't clear enough, let me share with you what the prophet Isaiah says in chapter 64. In verse 6, he, Isaiah says, We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Now, I'm not going to say what Isaiah was really saying with the Hebrew of polluted garment, but just know it is a very dirty thing that he is talking about. And you see, no matter how good our deeds are, our sin problem taints all good things that we do outside of Christ. And our iniquities that Isaiah talks about here, it is sin. And our sin separates us from God, but not only does it separate us from God, but it is deserving of and will face the punishment of God. Don't worry, there's some good news coming soon, I promise. You see, God is holy, and He, he, he cannot and He will not tolerate sin. We've just been singing about God's holiness. God, God is separate. God is other. God is far beyond us. He, he, is, he is holier than us. He is more righteous than us. And, and a holy, righteous, perfectly just God cannot overlook sin. And so if you've just broken one of God's laws, then you are a sinner worthy of His punishment. All sin will be punished. Even the, the little white lies, right, that you just had to tell to get yourself out of a situation. All sin will be punished. But this is where the good news of the gospel comes in. John 3.16, which is probably the most popular, most famous, most loved verse in all of Scripture... It says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Now this is an amazing verse, especially in light of our unrighteousness before Christ. That us being in that state of unrighteousness, that all of our deeds are as polluted, soiled garments, that God would look at us with love and He would desire for us to be His children that He would send His perfect Son to make a way for us to be righteous, to make a way for our broken relationship with Him to be reconciled. Romans 5 says that while we were yet sinners, while we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. In 1 John chapter 4 it says, we love God because He first loved us. You see, Jesus died on the cross to deal with the sin problem that all of us face. He, he took the punishment for our sin on His back. That moment on the cross, as 
God's wrath was poured out on him, it was making a way for us to be righteous as we place our faith in his work on the cross. Jesus was murdered on the cross. He was placed in a tomb. And in three days, he raised from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death. And now, through Christ, we can be made righteous. That's good news. So those of us who have trusted in Christ alone for our salvation, we've repented of our sin, we've placed our faith in Christ, your standing now before God is righteous. When God looks at you now, He doesn't see your sin. He sees the righteousness of His perfect Son. You've been justified. You've been forgiven of your sin. And now you, you are in a proper and right standing relationship with God. You've been declared righteous in the eyes of this holy God that we worship. And it's important for us to understand that our justification is a one-time thing. You are justified. You are forgiven. It's settled. Your salvation is secure. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so it's these people who have been made righteous through the work of Christ, that Jesus is now instructing on this Sermon on the Mount how they are to live out their lives. They've been justified. They've been declared righteous. They're now citizens of the kingdom. How are we now to live? And so, although this isn't necessarily the righteousness that Jesus is talking about in this passage. He's talking about the the second definition of righteousness that we're going to look at. I think it's important for us as Christians to remind ourselves that we have obtained this righteousness. We are now justified in the sight of our holy God because of the work of Christ. I think too often we can go days and sometimes weeks without meditating on Christ's work for us that has allowed us to be justified. And I think it's important for us to remind ourselves of where we were before Christ. So now let's look at the second definition. So that's the first definition of righteousness, this position of being in a proper relationship with God. The second definition that I'd like to use today is the act of doing what is in agreement with God's Word. The act of doing what is in agreement with God's Word. Another way to say this is the pursuit of being like Christ. That this type of righteousness that Jesus is talking about hungering and thirsting for is a pursuing of Christ's likeness in our lives. And really what this passage is pointing us to is our sanctification. Now sanctification is a big churchy word. You really only hear it in church. I never heard any of my college professors or any of my friends in school talking about sanctification. 
But really what sanctification means is being shaped into the image of Christ. And that is where all of us who have been justified, who have been declared righteous, all of us now for the rest of our lives are in this process of sanctification. You see, our justification was a one-time settled event. That takes place one time. But our sanctification is a lifelong pursuit where we desire day after day to be made more and more into the image of Christ. And just like justification, our sanctification is impossible without the working of the Holy Spirit. And again, this is, impo- this is important for us to understand. Because if we don't realize this, if we think that our sanctification is up to us, then that will lead us to the worst type of righteousness that none of us want to display in our lives, and that is self-righteousness. Where we attribute our good works, the, the, the good things that we do in our lives, the good fruit that is born in our lives, we attribute that to ourselves. And we don't want to show that in our lives. We don't want to be self-righteous people. Jesus makes it very clear in his dealings with the Pharisees what he thinks of self-righteousness. But it's very easy for believers to fall into self-righteousness if they have a wrong view of the Holy Spirit's working in their lives. If they don't realize that it was the Holy Spirit that gave them saving faith. If they don't realize it was the Holy Spirit who even produced that conviction in their lives to begin with that led them to repentance. If they think that their salvation was their doing, then it can lead to a life of self-righteousness. Scripture tells us that we didn't choose God, but that God chose us. All of Our spiritual life starts and ends with the work of the Holy Spirit. He convicts us of sin. He gives us the saving faith in Christ. He produces fruit in our lives. And He seals us for eternity. It's all a work of the Holy Spirit. And we have to remind ourselves of this. And so Jesus says, again looking at verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst to be like Christ. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst to obey His commands. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst to obey the law of God. Now what does this hunger and thirst look like? How does this hunger and thirst play out in our lives? I don't think I have to explain to any of y'all what it's like to be hungry and thirsty. If, if I were to preach for another two hours, you would, we would start to see the fruit of your hunger as, you know, it would probably start with the back section. They would start leaving first because they know nobody can see them. But if I just kept preaching and preaching, pretty soon I'd be preaching to nobody because we would all experience being hungry and thirsty. You know, being hungry and thirsty isn't always an enjoyable thing. I don't like to be hungry. I know you may think I'm kidding by looking at, you know, my large, strong physique, but 
really, I don't like to be hungry. I'm, I'm always snacking. If I go just a few hours without snacking on something, I feel like I'm going to starve. And so, you know, at work, I'll, when I take a lunch, I'll take all these little snacks. And the times when I forget some snacks or have to wait from lunch all the way until dinner, that's, that's all I can think about. The rest of my day is shot because I'm just preoccupied thinking about how hungry I am. And this, it's the same way with being thirsty. How many of you have experienced those times of just really being thirsty? We live in San Antonio, so during the summer months, I'm sure we've all experienced this. Uh, my dad loved playing tennis. It was his favorite sport. Uh, really, it was his favorite thing to do other than spending time in the house of God. If, if he could have played tennis every single day, if he would have found someone willing to play tennis with him every day, he would have. And it didn't matter to him what the temperature was, what time of day it was, if it was hot, if it was freezing, if he found someone to play tennis with him, he would play tennis. And so that led to many summer afternoons of us playing tennis with my dad. And um, so that led to many times of us experiencing extreme thirst. As, you know, we would always bring water, but sometimes I would go through my water too quick, and he would want to keep playing. For some reason, the, the heat didn't seem to affect my dad as much as me. Maybe that was part of his strategy of wanting to play in the middle of the day during the summer. But when, when it got to that point of extreme thirst, I, you know, I was willing to lose the match if it just meant we could go home and get some water sooner. Because you see, being hungry and thirsty, it always leads to action. When we're hungry and thirsty for something, when we truly desire something, it leads to action in our lives. And so the same should be true for the believer, that we should desire to live righteous lives, and this desire, this hunger and thirst for righteousness should lead to changing our behaviors. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, it says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so, my, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Does this describe you today? Are you thirsty for the things of God? Does your soul long to be righteous? Does your soul long to be more like Christ in every area of your life? Just like when you're extremely hungry or thirsty and that it fills your mind and your thoughts and you can't think about anything else, in the same way, we should be consumed with passion to live righteous lives. We should hunger and thirst for righteousness. And it's, it is the working of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit gives us the passion and helps us achieve it, but we have a part to play too. We don't just sit back you know, and, and do nothing and say, well, I'm just waiting for the Holy Spirit to you know, fight the temptation in my life. I'm just waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up and do something here. No, we need to get on the offensive. We need to take action. We need to wield the sword and fight 
the sin in our lives. We need to put sin to death in our lives. John Owen, the the famous Puritan, he has a very famous quote where he says, Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Now, if you could turn with me to um, Romans chapter 6. I think the Apostle Paul really lays out clearly for us in in these first 13 verses of Romans 6 what this life of righteousness and this life of righteous living, what it looks like. Now this, what he describes here, is what we should hunger and thirst for. So Paul says in in Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1, he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Now listen to this command from Paul. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present yourselves members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. That is what living a life hungering and thirsting for righteousness should look like. That we are presenting all of our life as righteousness to God. Every area of our life should be righteous before God, our whole beings. We shouldn't have a, a righteous compartment of our life and, you know, the rest of our life, the, the worldly part of our life that, you know, we don't really talk about, but we just focus on the righteous part. We focus on, you know, we come to church, we serve, maybe we even go to a community group, but you know, the rest of the week is, is really the world's part of the week. No, we, all of our whole lives, our whole selves are to be presented to God as righteousness, as righteous. 
And I feel that too many self-professing Christians are too comfortable with, with the ticket they've had punched by saying the sinner's prayer, and they, they have no desire for this ongoing righteousness in their lives. You don't see this hunger and thirst going on in their lives. And Christian, listen to me today. This isn't biblical Christianity. From the moment we are saved until we receive our glorified bodies, we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Every day. Every day we are to, be, we are to desire to be made more and more into the image of Christ. And so that means that our walk with God should not look like what it did five years ago. Where we're at today shouldn't look like what it looked like where we were at five years ago. And three months from now, it should look different. We should look more and more like Christ as we are being led by the Spirit, as we are being obedient to the Spirit's leading and conviction in our lives. You know, I might hurt some feelings here today, but oh well. <clears throat> Many Christians hunger and thirst more for the world than they do for righteousness. They hunger and thirst to binge the latest series of Netflix, or they hunger and thirst to extend their kilt streak on Call of Duty. But yet, when it comes to the things of God, you see no hunger and you see no thirst. Jesus didn't say, blessed are you when you hunger and thirst to finish the third season of The Office for the fifth time. And we all laugh because most of us have probably seen The Office. But we're called and expected to live righteously. This is an expectation for the believer. It's not an option for us. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to not be complacent with the sin in your life. To not be comfortable where you are at with your walk with the Lord. It's to realize that you have been made righteous by the work of Christ. You've been justified. You've been saved. Amen for that. And so the rest of our lives we are to live with a desire to give back to the Lord for what He has done for us. That all of our lives would be pleasing, not so people would look at us and say, wow, what a good Christian, what a great person. No, we do it because of what Christ has done for us. And this is also the amazing thing about this verse. As it says, as you hunger and thirst for righteousness, as you are desperate to live a righteous life, you will receive that. You will be made righteous. Let's look at that passage again. Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Jesus doesn't say if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, there's a possibility that you will be made righteous. No, He says you shall be satisfied. There's no question about it. This is a promise. And the great thing about this promise is the one who is promising it. 
The one who is making this promise is righteousness in himself. Psalms 11.7, it says, For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. God is the source of our righteousness. And God can promise that we will receive righteousness because he is righteous in himself. His well of righteousness is never going to run dry. There's never going to come a point where we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And Jesus says, I'm sorry, I've run out of righteousness. You're going to have to go and and look to something else. No, we can have confidence in his promise that we will be made righteous because he is righteous. Now, this, this might be a bad analogy, but it seemed to work in my head. Um, my son, Davey, he's, he's one year old, and he loves basketball. He, he loves anything that has to do with the ball. And so at, at our house, in our driveway, we have a, a little tykes goal, you know, those little, those little goals, but we also have a, a regular size basketball goal. And, you know, the little tykes goal, he's tall enough to just walk over and, and place the ball into the basket and, and make a shot. But especially when he sees his, his sisters playing on the bigger goal, he, he's not happy with just shooting on the little goal. He wants to shoot on the bigger goal. But even at his age, he's smart enough to realize that at his height, he has no chance of making it in the bigger goal. He, he realizes that in himself, he can't make it in this bigger basket. And so what does he do? He walks up to the person that he's confident in, that has the height, to pick him up so that he can put the ball in the taller basket. Now, the same is true for us in our walk with God. We realize that in ourselves we cannot be made righteous, but we have confidence in our Father that through Him, He alone is righteous, And it's through him that we can now live this life of sanctification, of daily being made more and more righteous. I guess that kind of worked. I thought maybe there would have been more amens if it really landed, but that's okay. Amen. Thank you, Justin. But we can have confidence in God that as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, he will be faithful to satisfy us with righteous living in our lives. Paul says in Philippians 1.6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus started a good work in our lives. We've been saved, we've been set free from the power of sin, and he is going to see to it that when he presents his bride before God, that it is a pure and spotless bride. He is going to be faithful to complete that work that he began in our lives. Psalms 107, there's a lot of psalms today, it's great. Uh, Verses 1 through 9, it says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. 
Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Have any redeemed of the Lord in here this morning? Whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Now these first eight verses here, this is, this is all of our stories who are now in Christ. We've been redeemed by his steadfast love. This is our positional righteousness. But now we see in verse 9 this pursuit of righteousness. Verse 9 it says, For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. And here also this psalmist isn't speaking as a maybe either. He does satisfy our longing soul. God will satisfy you. And it really is an amazing thing to see when the Holy Spirit does do this work of sanctification in your life and you begin to see victory over sin in your life. It's an amazing thing. Maybe you've, you've seen this victory. Maybe you've been desiring for more uh, spiritual disciplines in your life and you've been seeing the Lord leading you to be more passionate about His Word, to be more passionate to spend times in prayer, and you've been obedient to that leading. It's a satisfying thing to see the Holy Spirit working in your life. And what I've, what I've seen in, in my life, and I'm sure many of you can attest to this, is this pursuit of righteousness, it's one of, of constant hungering and thirsting. That it, it doesn't stop. Yes, we're satisfied. Yes, we, we receive Christ's righteousness. Yes, we are being made more and more into His image. But we still continue to hunger and thirst to be made even more into His image. The more righteous that you become, as you become more righteous, hopefully by the working of the Holy Spirit, the closer you get to Christ, usually it's the, the more obvious your sin becomes. The closer you get to Christ, the more you recognize your need for Him. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a uh, famous English pastor who pastored a church in London for over 50 years in the 1900s, he had this quote. He said, those who hunger and thirst are filled, and those who are filled go on to hunger and thirst. As we live this life of sanctification, we, we never arrive. It's a process for all of our lives until we reach that day of glory. And the amazing thing about this is that in the end, God will be glorified. As we pursue righteousness, as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, Yes, we are made more like Christ, but the end result is that He will be glorified. Psalms 23, 
I promise I didn't talk to Abraham beforehand. He didn't know I was going to read this verse today. But Psalms 23.3, it shows us this result of righteous living. It says, The good shepherd leads us into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, we'll be satisfied in Christ. We'll be made more like Jesus. We'll be blessed. But the best thing about living a righteous life is that God's name will be magnified. That God will receive the glory. Not ourselves. And this is why we were created. We were created to glorify God. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, the very first question is what is the chief end of man? What is man's purpose on this life? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So you, you see how this all goes together. As we hunger and thirst for righteousness, He satisfies that hunger. We're made righteous. And as we are made righteous, God is glorified. So as we come to a close this morning, I want to ask you, what is it that you are hungry and thirsty for? As you look at your life and how you spend your time, as you think back on this past week, what was it that was preoccupying your thoughts? What was it that you were acting on? What was the things that you were desiring? Was it righteousness, desiring to be more like Christ, whatever the cost, whatever the Holy Spirit would lead you to, were you being obedient to that? Are you determined that wherever it is God's Spirit leads you or convicts you of, that you'll be obedient on that leading and guiding? Even if that means cutting out some things in your life that you've been too comfortable with? This, this process of sanctification and, and hungering and thirsting for righteousness, it's not always a comfortable process. In the same way, being hungry and thirsty isn't necessarily comfortable. Is this what you hunger and thirst for in your life? Or are you hungry and thirsty for the things of the world? The things that are passing away? The things that will not satisfy you? for entertainment, for money, for position or power? Are you hungry and thirsty to have that perfect Instagram-approved interior of your home? What, what is it that is preoccupying your thoughts that you're hungry and thirsty for that you are acting on? So my prayer for us today is that you will determine in your heart and be obedient to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit in your life. That above all else, you will desire to be righteous in every area of your life. As Paul said in Romans 6, that we will present all of ourselves to God. We will allow His work in our lives, this, this process of sanctifying us to be made more into the image of Christ. And if you're in here today and you haven't received that first part of righteousness that I talked about at the beginning of 
being declared righteous before God, for placing your faith in Christ, for repenting of your sin and turning to Christ and looking to the cross and submitting to His Lordship. If you haven't done that today, hear me on this. You are not in a right standing relationship with God. You need Christ in your life. Without Christ, separate from Christ, we cannot be made righteous. We saw what Isaiah said our righteousness was like. It's filthy rags before a holy God. So if you're in here today and you have not trusted in Christ, repent today and place your faith in Him. Trust in His finished work on the cross. Trust that His sacrifice on the cross was enough to satisfy God's wrath toward your sin. And as you do that, you can be confident that on that last day when we reach the throne of God and He looks at us, He won't see your sin. He won't see your past. He'll see the blood of Christ applied to your life. He will see that you are justified. And it's only by the work of Christ that this is possible. There's nothing that we can do in ourselves to make ourselves right with God. And so I pray that if, if you have yet to take that step to do so today, submit to Christ as Lord of your life. And as you do, then you can begin to live your life as a citizen of the kingdom of God. One who is, can walk in, in a victorious life. How many of you have experienced that in your life? Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you. God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the work of your perfect son. He did what we couldn't do so that we can be made right with you. Lord, thank you for your love for us that sent your perfect son to the cross. Lord, help us to live our lives in light of that love that you have for us. To live every day wanting, hungering, thirsting to be made more like Christ. Lord, I thank you that as we hunger and as we thirst for righteousness, that you will see it through. You will make us righteous. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be comfortable where we're at in our walk with you, but that as we read your word, as we read your commands, that it would convict us, that we would daily look to Christ, look to how he lived his life, that we would strive to be righteous like Christ is righteous. Lord, I thank you that we have been justified, that we don't have to live our lives in fear if we are saved. If we, have, if we have trusted in you, if we have placed our faith in Christ, we are justified. So Lord, I pray that we would walk out a victorious life free from the power of sin. And that every day of our lives, we would be growing closer and closer 
to the image of Christ. Lord, I thank you that this is a work that your Holy Spirit does within us. Help us to constantly be relying on that power of the Holy Spirit and not in ourselves. Father, I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you have given us. We thank you for all of this. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.